Hi, welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast, where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltoona.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. Hey everybody, welcome again to Vineyard Altoona. My name is Derek. I'm the co-senior pastor here. Uh, I'm so glad you've chosen to join us. And if it's your first time, I especially want to welcome you. Uh, Before we jump in, I do want to just remind you of something. I know we've been saying this for like weeks, but uh, if you've not signed up for our tech service uh, where you can keep up to date on what's going on, text the word Vineyard, V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D, to 94000. The reason I want you to do that is because as we're looking for places that we uh, are considering um, meeting in going forward, uh, I'm going to post things through the text message uh, for you to pray about, maybe get your feedback on. So I'd really love for you to be a part of that. It's not the same as what we had uh, two years ago. So if you signed up two years ago, first of all, thank you. Secondly, do it again. Okay. Text the word vineyard to 94000. Okay. With that, let me get started. Uh, I don't know uh, what your life has been like as a follower of Jesus, uh, but I remember when I was in high school just really struggling with understanding what the purpose of Christian life was. Like, you know, I, I had grown up in church and, you know, you're a Christian, you're saved, you're going to heaven, all that stuff, right? Uh, and I remember at one point when I was in high school thinking, man, these people who sort of come to church and get saved later in life have it better because I have to like live the right way for the rest of my life where they, you know, they, I remember feeling jealous, uh, about the people who, uh, were not yet Christians that they could become Christians later. And in the meantime, do all the things they wanted to do. And I struggled with purpose of life. And like, what's the point now of being a Christian for the rest of my life? And I don't know if you've had that struggle or not, but I I think it's a common struggle of like, what's the point of life after you uh, become a Christian? What is the purpose? What's the role? What does it look like? Uh, And and as we're leaning towards this uh, season uh, of preparation, and we're thinking about what it is to to become the people that God has designed us to be as the vineyard, uh, as you as a, just a follower of Jesus. One of the things that we want to discover is that God has given us gifts to function in the kingdom while we're alive, while we live on this planet. And so today I'm going to talk about using your gifts uh, in this series we've been talking uh, called Keep in Step. And the idea is just in preparation. So today's message Uh, is called Use Your Gifts. Would you pray with me and then uh, we'll open God's word. So Lord, I do welcome you into this space and into this time. And God, I pray for uh, all who are listening and all who are participating, God, that you would reveal yourself. Lord, that we would understand something of your heart about living the Christian life uh, and functioning in the gifts that you give us. God, I pray that you would encourage those who struggle to believe. God, would you give gifts of faith? I pray, God, that you would uh, put power on this message and that you would empower me to speak as I should. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. We're going to look today at Romans chapter 12. And if you remember back beginning part of the year, maybe in January, I talked about uh, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. We're going to look beginning at verse 3. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 12 beginning in uh, verse 3. And while you're turning there, let me set a little bit of context. So the context is that the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul to this church in Rome that he's going to visit. Uh, And so he sends this letter to address a a big issue that they're dealing with. And it's the same issue that so many of the early churches were dealing with. Early on in the Christian church, uh, you know, when Jesus came, uh, he came to Israel. He came to be the fulfillment of the Jewish Messiah. That he was the hope of Israel, the thing that their whole faith pointed towards. So he he showed up to the Jewish people and, and invited them to the kingdom of God. That God's rule and reign in the world was taking place now in Israel. And so that was the, the context of much of Jesus' ministry. But then after Jesus was resurrected, he says to the disciples, Now take the message of the gospel to the outermost parts of the world. And as they do that, what they find is that it's not just Jewish people who give their lives to Jesus, but Gentiles also give their lives to Jesus. And and the church begins to run into this problem of what do we do with contrasting uh, maybe foundations and faith foundations when they're in the same church? So Jewish people knew themselves as God's people. From way back, right? They had the Exodus and God gave them the Ten Commandments and uh, they had the the covenant of circumcision. They had the, the food cleanliness laws. They had the keeping of Sabbath. All of these things in order to set them apart as God's people. And, and so the Messiah Jesus was the fulfillment of all these things. Now, on the other hand, you have Gentile believers who had no attachment to Jewish uh, faith at all. They had come from pagan gods and pagan rituals and backgrounds, and they had surrendered their lives to Jesus, but felt no allegiance to Jewish faith. And so I'm sure you can see this might cause problems, right? I mean, if you think about how to run a church, half of your church believes that we should keep Sabbath and the other half doesn't. Half of your church thinks we should be circumcised and the other half doesn't. Half of your church thinks that we should keep food cleanliness laws and the other half doesn't. How do you bring these people together as Christians in the church of Jesus Christ without tearing the the thing apart? That's the problem that Paul is writing to address. And both of these groups felt like they were better than the other group. So for various reasons. And so Paul, when he writes this letter, he spends the first 11 chapters saying, basically, the ground is all level. He says to the Jews, you know, yeah, you had the law and you were God's people, but you didn't even keep the law. And where you fail, you failed on the whole law. So you're not better than anybody else. And he says to the Gentiles, he says, you weren't God's chosen people. And so essentially what he says is at the foot of the cross, the ground is all level, that there's nobody who belongs to Jesus, who is part of God's family because they earn it or they deserve it. That as God is creating one new humanity, the only way in is by God's grace. That's the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. I just summarized it. You should read it 
Uh, I think it's great. It'd take you maybe 20 minutes to read the, the, the book of Romans, maybe 25. Um, it's worth reading. But that's the first 11 chapters. So what it means to be a Christian then is to know that there's no way that you could ever earn a place in God's family. The only way in is that God invites you by his grace. So after building this foundation, Paul turns to chapter 12 and he says, now that we know that none of us had priority coming into this thing, let's talk about how we live once we're in the family of God. How do we live together and exist together within the family of God? And and we're going to begin at uh, verse 3, chapter 12. Here's what we read. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to, uh, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. After spending 11 chapters, making sure that everyone knows that the way in is by grace, that nobody has priority, you might expect that Paul then begins to set who's in charge. What's the hierarchy here? Are the apostles in charge or is it the pastors? Is it the evangelists? Is it the teachers? Who's in charge? And you might expect that he would start to set a sort of uh, hierarchy. This is the chain of command in the kingdom. You know, I'm Paul. I'm pretty important. I'm higher than Peter because if you read Acts 15, I had to rebuke him. Um, you know, and he's higher than Thomas because he had doubt, you know, you might expect there to be a hierarchy to come out, but here's what Paul says. He says something else. Look at verse three again. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. There's no hierarchy. Think of yourself rightly. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul says that now that we're part of the family and the way we got in was by God's grace, we need to think appropriately about our role in the body. That the way in was by grace, but the way on is by grace. There's not one of us who's in God's family because we earned it and deserved it. And... There's not one of us who has a role in God's family because we earned it and deserved it. It's all grace. When Paul talks about how we function within the body of Christ, he uses this Greek word charis. It's a word that gets translated a couple of different ways into English, uh, and they're used kind of interchangeably. The word uh, gets translated as gift, but it also gets translated as grace. And in all senses... Paul is communicating that no matter what role you play, no matter what place you have in the kingdom, it's only yours by grace. It's a gift. That's the way in is a gift, and it's the way on. So you didn't earn your way into the body of Christ, and you didn't earn your role in the body of Christ. Those are gifts given by God. But there's something else here that Paul is saying. You need to catch this. 
grace and the gifts are all given by God, but even the faith that you bring, even the faith that you bring in any given situation is a gift. Paul says at the end of verse 3, he says, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So even the faith that you have is a gift from God. You bring nothing to the table. God provides the grace. God provides the faith. You bring nothing to this table. Why is it important that we know that? Why is it important that we're clear that the whole thing is grace? It's important because Paul is saying that grace should make you humble. Grace should make you humble. The fact that you bring nothing to the table should make you respond in humble gratitude. What should naturally flow after you understand the grace of Jesus is humble gratitude. It's hard to be prideful about something that you know you didn't deserve and didn't earn, isn't it? It's really tough. You know, when I moved to Altoona, some of you know this story. I was driving a car. It was a, a Saturn. I loved my Saturn, but it was dying a slow, painful death uh, over the course of a number of months. Um, and, and every week I would get back from my trip. I was flying for the airlines at the time. I would get back from my trip and I had to nurse the car home. So the days that I was at home, I was trying to fix the car to make it roadworthy to get me back to work the next week. And I spent so much time. I didn't have car. I didn't have uh, b- car buying money. I didn't have money to buy a new car. I didn't really have money to fix the car I was fixing. And so I sort of felt stuck. I, I had a car that really didn't work. I was trying to make it work, but I didn't have money to replace it. And in all of this, it was taking so much time away from planting the church that somebody bought me a car. It's the Toyota Corolla that you see me drive around in now. And I contributed nothing to the purchase of this car. They just gave it to me. And my only response was to receive it in humility and offer my gratitude. In the same way, when you understand that the gifts God gives you are exactly that, they're gifts, the only appropriate response is humility and gratitude. Humility and gratitude. So what does it look like? to respond to God's grace with humility and gratitude. Let me talk about humility first, okay? Paul says, think of yourself with sober judgment. You know, we tend to think of certain gifts and certain roles as having much higher uh, prestige. You know, it's like, wow, the guy that's preaching, that's, that's a pretty high deal. And the guy that's leading worship, that's a pretty high deal. And, you know, the girl that's prophesying, that's a pretty high deal. But we think of these things because these are people who are highly visible. But Paul says you need to see yourself rightly. You need to see yourself with humility. And he goes on in verse 4, he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. You know, one of Paul's favorite illustrations through a lot of his letters is to use the human body as a, as a picture for what the, the body of Christ is. So what he's saying is, you know, you have a body, right? And you have a foot and you have a hand and you have a head and an ear, and they all do different things. But they all work together to make your body function, right? None of them is more important than the other. He says, in the same way, 
all the gifts, all the roles in the body of Christ, none of them is more important than the other, and they all inter interlock with one another. They work together. So humility then begins by acknowledging that whatever role you have, it's only one part in the greater body of Christ and that your role and the success of the body of Christ is dependent on all the other parts playing their role. God gifted you to work within the system of the body of Christ to play your part while everyone else plays their part. That means that every part is essential and no one part is more important than the other. You know, you can be the most generous giver in the world. You have all this generosity and love to give and have all the resource to give. But unless your giving gets connected to other parts of the body that, that create uh, methods and ways of reaching people who don't know Jesus, your giving is in vain. You know, we could create, have all the best ideas for events to reach lost people. And we could have, you know, all these amazing ideas. But unless the people who are gifted to serve show up to implement the, the, the ideas, they just remain ideas. You know, I could write the best message of my life. But unless everyone else plays their part, nobody hears the message. It's so important in every role that everybody plays their part. Every part's essential to the body of Christ. There's not one more important than the other. And so we're humbled by the reality that we live and exist within this, uh, this, this body and we exist as a part of the body and that we all depend on each other for the body to function. And I, I want to say something else though. You know, when you don't play your part, we all suffer. When you, don't, when you decide that I'm just not going to show up or I'm not going to be uh, the role that, that I'm going to be, we all suffer. A year and a half ago, I uh, fractured my ankle. And some of you remember this. I was hobbling around on a boot, this giant gray boot up to my knee. Um, and so everything was off, right? Like one hip was higher than the other and my leg muscles were compensating for the fact that my ankle didn't work the way it was supposed to. And so I would end up in like all this pain because my ankle wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. That's kind of a picture of what happens when you choose not to participate in the body. God has given you a gift to exist within the body. And when you choose not to, to exercise your gift, you choose not to show up or be a part of what the church is doing, we suffer. You know, you may think that your existence is not that important, but you play a critical role within the body. It's important that you play that role. And that's all I'll say about that for now. Uh, but we respond with humility, but we also respond with gratitude. What does it look like to respond in gratitude? Look at verse 6 with me. It says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul says that responding to the Lord and the grace of the Lord in your life with gratitude looks like using the gift you've been given to the extent you have faith. That that's what it looks like to show gratitude. Think about the car I was given again. Think about my Corolla, my nice 2004 Corolla. Can you imagine what it would have meant to the person who gave it to me if I just said thank you, but 
put it in the driveway and just left it. You know, kept working on my Saturn because I'm going to make it work. Can you imagine what that would have communicated? Like, what would I have been saying? I would have been saying I wasn't really grateful for what had been given to me, right? You know, one way I express gratitude is to say thank you. And that's fine. But another way that I express gratitude is to use the car the way the giver intended. God has given you a gift. He intends for you to use that gift. You have a specific role to play. One way that you can say thank you is by worship. You can say thank you to God through worship. That's what we do every week. When we come together and we worship, we, we sing and we, we praise God and we say thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for how you've saved me. Thank you for the, the gifts that you've given to me. Thank you for who you are. We say thank you to the Lord. And that's one way to express gratitude. But the other way to express gratitude to God for the gift that he's given you is to use it, is to use it to the fullest extent that God has given you faith. That's what Paul says here. In fact, the word that Paul uses for faith is this Greek word pistis, and it means conviction, confidence, trust. And so essentially the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is the gift God has given and how much conviction do I have for it? that I would operate in the gift God has given with the conviction that God has given. I mean, Paul lists a few here, you know, prophesying, teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. And you should understand that this is a representative list. It's not exhaustive. You may have one of those gifts, but you may have something else. There may be another gift that you, that you have that you use. But the invitation is to discover what God has given and then exercise it within the, the, the faith that God has given you. To use them to the fullest extent, whatever it is. If God has given you a gift of service, you serve to the fullest extent that you have faith. If God has given you a gift to prophesy, you, have the, you, you use it to the fullest extent that you have faith. For some of you, maybe this is news to you. You know, maybe you, maybe you never knew that God intended to use you in the family business after he saved you. That it wasn't just about you being saved and being a Christian, but that being a Christian meant that you got invested in the family business. And so maybe this is news to you and you've never discovered what your gifts are. And if that's you, can I just encourage you to, to seek the Lord for what those are? And let me tell you a couple of ways that you can discover the gifts that God has given you. One of the easiest ways to discover the gifts God has given you is within the context of other followers of Jesus, maybe like a small group, because often those around you will see your gifts before you do. We used to do this periodically in the small group we led in Columbus. We would sit down and we would have everybody take a gifts assessment and and we would talk about it, but then everybody around the table would look at the, the person who uh, we were talking to and we would say, well, here's a gift that I see in you. And typically, the people around you who are doing life with you will see your gifts before you do. That that's often the way that God will, will, will make you aware of your gifts. Another way, a great way to, to discover your gifts is to try stuff. It seems super ele elementary, right? Try stuff. That's not a very spiritual way to discover things, Derek. What are you trying to tell here? But I'm serious. The way you discover 
that you have a gift of healing is that you pray for healing and it happens. The way you discover that you have a gift for prophecy is you open your mouth and you speak what you believe God has given you and people test it and it turns out that it's from the Lord. The way you discover that you have a gift of mercy is that you begin to engage in acts of mercy. The way you figure all these things out is you try things. I've seen people uh, who would say, well, you know, we would take these gifts assessment and people would be like, you know, I don't really have the gift of mercy. And you would say, well, well, why not? Like, how do you know that you don't? Well, I just have never really seen it in my life. And it turns out they've never tried it. They serve in a food pantry and all of a sudden they discover they have this big heart for people who uh, are the last and the least and the lost. So, so if you want to discover the gifts that God has given you, would you commit to having a posture of trying whatever God invites you into? You might just discover your gifting. Now, there may be some of you listening to this that you know what your gift is. You know, you, you're really well aware that God has given you a gift and you're just not exercising it. Maybe you've been on the sidelines for a while. You got burned out. You got tired. Maybe you got hurt when you were exercising your gift. Or, you know, maybe it's because you're, you're too afraid that if, if I show people that I'm willing to do something, they're going to make me do everything. Or maybe it's that, you know, we, we took all this time away from the community because of COVID and you've grown lax and comfortable. You know, I, we couldn't meet and now I've developed a habit of not meeting. And can I just speak directly to you and just, just as your pastor, encourage you to, to press into your gift? That God has given you a gift because he intends you to use it for the benefit of the kingdom. And listen, at this moment in Christian history, the church of Jesus Christ needs you to operate in the gift God has given you. And if I could be just completely transparent and lay all my cards on the table, in this season, as a church where we're looking forward to September when, when we're trying to right now prepare ourselves to again engage the lost world, the, the world that needs to know Jesus, as a church, and we're, and we're building from the ground up essentially, based on what we believe God has called us to be, at this season, we need you. We need you to be who God has called you to be. So as we move now into a time of communion, I want to just encourage you, if that's the place that you're in, if you're in the place where you, you know what your gift is, but you're not using it, but would you just open yourself before the Lord and, and just with open-handed posture, just hold before the Lord the gifts that he's given you and ask what he would want you to do with them.